Well, morning. How are we doing? Good, good. Hey, I'm Andy, uh, one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, just excited to be up here this weekend. If you're joining us online, hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for being there and watching us this weekend. Real quick, we start a new series next week called uh, Famous Last Words, and we're going to be looking at the last words of Jesus uh, as we lead up to Easter weekend. And these are words that describe who he is, what he did, and what he offers us. And this is going to be a great series for all of us, but especially for people who really don't know uh, who Jesus is, what he did, what he offers us, the good news about Jesus. I was probably 24 the first time I remember hearing uh, the good news of Jesus, and I heard it because someone invited me to church. So I want to encourage you and uh, just challenge you to think of someone who needs to hear that good news and invite them, bring them to this series uh, and Easter so that they can have a chance to hear uh, what that good news is. Uh, also, Easter is a huge weekend for us as a church. A lot of new people come, and that means we need help making the weekend a success. So if you can that weekend, would you volunteer? There's an insert in your program. You can fill that off and then drop that out uh, at the welcome area. All right, so how many, uh, how many of you got a chance to watch the Winter Olympics last several weeks? Yeah. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch it live, but uh, I got to watch all the highlights, not the boring stuff, just the good stuff online, right? And a couple moments really stick out for me. First, the women's hockey game, right? Was that not epic? That was epic. I don't watch hockey. I don't play it. I don't follow it. I can't even like ice skate normal, right? Um, I fall backwards, impossible. But Here's what I know. Canada is a really cold place. And so when America beats them at like a winter sport, I just, I feel really good about myself and I feel really good about America, right? Sorry, anyone from Canada watching us. Um, yay, America. Second, curling? Who knew that was so exciting? Right? My kids throw rocks around all day. Again, I don't know anything about this sport. <laughs> Don't know anything about curling. Um, there's a bullseye thing, and people are throwing things at it, and we did better. So, America, right? Victory. I love these moments, right? I love watching these moments where uh, people, athletes in general, they just they hit that moment. What they've been aiming for and working for for so long. They hit that goal, they, the final round of scoring, the finish line, whatever it is. I love watching those moments unfold because that's really it. Like for them and all their work, that, that's kind of it. That's what they set out for. The work is done. And I call this like a finish line moment. And it's so exciting because this is where it all comes together. This is the culmination of all the work, uh, the dedication, the time the challenges, whatever they had to endure to get to this one moment, and then they get there, and you get to witness it, and it's just extremely exciting. Uh, I love these final moments. They're exciting, they're emotional, they're inspiring. Seeing, seeing someone reach their potential, make it happen, I love it. We love celebrating the finish, don't we? I had a finish line moment of my own back in August. Here it is, actually. Uh, this was taken at the finish line of an event called Toughest Mudder. And I'm sure some of you have maybe heard of a Tough Mudder. It's uh, part running, part obstacle, and then a whole lot of mud thrown at you. And they're not typically races. It's more like a challenge where you go out with your friends, your team, your buddies, and you challenge yourself and you push yourself and you see what you're made of. And it creates all these memories and all these stories. And it's an incredible time. I've done it with a lot of different friends, done it with people from River Glen. It's just uh, an awesome experience. But this this was different. This was a race. This was a race. And it was actually an eight-hour race that started at midnight. 
Started at midnight, so for eight hours you run as many laps as you can through the mud, through water, through obstacles. It's crazy, okay? I'm a little crazy. But this was the most challenging thing I ever, ever faced, ever tried, ever attempted. And this moment was my finish line. This was the finish, 8.01 a.m. I love this photo. Every time I see it, it instantly brings back uh, the memories, the, the feelings I had, that sense of accomplishment, the pain <laughs> that was going on all over my body. Everything I felt, it comes back. And it was the end. Not just of like eight hours, but uh, of months and months and months of training and work and dedication. And I hit my goal which was incredible. I hit my goal. I finished. Moments later, they're, they're handing out finisher t-shirts and headbands, and I just felt incredible, right? As awesome as that moment was, though, I don't think it's the most important part of the whole journey, the whole story. I look back on that moment, and I think about the event, and that's what I, that's what I talk about in the memories, and it's what I think about a lot. But when I look at the entire process from beginning to end, it wasn't the finish that was the most important moment. It was when I started. It was when I started. This never would have happened if somewhere along the way I didn't start. I didn't take that first step. You see, there's no finish if you don't start. There's no journey if we don't start. There's no story if you don't start. Everyone's story starts somewhere. Craig Rochelle, he says, the decisions we make today determine the stories we tell about our lives tomorrow. And I think one of the most important decisions that we have to face, we have to make, is the first one, to begin, to start, to take the initial step towards something new, a new direction, a new habit, a goal, a dream. We've been in this series, Divine Direction, and we've been focusing on the decisions that we have to make and how it affects our lives and how it affects the story that we get to tell someday. And I've really enjoyed this series. It's challenged me uh, in a lot of ways. And this week, we get to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up by uh, finishing the series talking about starting. Right? Kind of odd, right? We're going to finish talking about starting. Why is that? Well, I think we're ending this way because starting is going to be the hardest, uh, hardest moment for most of us. We spend weeks looking at our lives, how to make decisions, uh, how to hand over control, what we have control over, what we don't have control over, how our decisions change everything. And you might have a better understanding of you, where you're at, what you need to do. But the biggest hang-up you're probably going to face is to begin, to start, to get going. And starting is not easy. Starting is hard. But if you believe the right things, you can start. Starting takes faith. Starting takes faith. Faith in what? Someone who has this faith to start, what do they believe in in order to take that first step? What do they have so they can start? Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to explore that question but we're, we're first going to start with a group activity, all right? Group activity. Here's what I want you to consider uh, as we get into this, this message. I want you to consider these four questions. What needs, in, uh, what needs to change in my life so I can tell a better story? What's broken in the world that needs to be fixed? What breaks your heart? If you could do anything with your life and guarantee success, what would you do? What's your dream? Has God put a dream in your life? When you consider these questions, what do you need to do? What do you need to start doing? I bet it's probably not the first time you've thought about this kind of stuff, right? It could be a dream that maybe is just kind of nagging at you. Maybe something you think about a lot, you just don't know where to begin. Maybe something you've just toyed with, but you haven't taken seriously. Take it seriously. What is it? I need to start what? What is it for you? Is it uh, a business, a ministry, something in your community, something within your family, a habit, 
something in your school, something with a group, mentoring? What is it? This is the question we're all going to answer. What could you start that'll change the direction of your life and others' lives? What could you start that'll change the direction of your life and others' lives? We're going to do an activity. We're going to answer that question. Um, and and this, is, this is a huge question. Right? This is an important question for us to take seriously. So we're going to stop right now and we're going to pray. We're going to ask for God's help in determining uh, what this thing is uh, for each of us in our lives. So would you just join me in prayer? Father, thank you so much just for bringing us together as a church. Um, we need your help right now uh, to discern and, and figure out and acknowledge what this thing might be in our life that we need to start doing. Uh, give us guidance. Put it in our mind. Put it in our heart. Um, just make it clear for us so that we can move forward. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pass around journals through the entire auditorium. And what we're going to do is we are going to answer that question in this journal, all right? Here are the ground rules just to uh, make sure we're all on the same page, okay? First, you need to keep it simple. You don't need to write an entire business plan in this, all right? That's not necessary, and if it's good, I will take it, all right? Write, uh, create business plan is good enough. Keep it simple, keep it simple. Eat better, start a group, build a team, quit a job, start a new job, grow hair, whatever it is, just keep it simple, okay? Second, keep it moving. Keep it moving, all right? You don't need to hog this. This isn't a place for you to dump all your junk and your emotions, all right? In order, in order for everyone to get a chance, we need to keep this thing moving all throughout uh, the auditorium. Last night, we got through probably half the people, so we doubled our journals, and we're going to uh, cut the time in half. So you guys got this. should take maybe a couple seconds. By the time you get it, you probably have it in your mind. Just write it down. doesn't need to be fancy. So here's how it's going to work. You're going to pass your journal down your row until there's no one left to pass it to, okay? And then you're going to hand it to the person behind you, and then they're going to do the same thing. So there are six sections in here, so here's how it's going to go. We'll start, we'll start here, and you'll just kind of weave, right? You know, weave like this, and then same thing over here. You'll just kind of weave until you get to the back. And then out in the back, you're going to do the same thing. We're going to start it at the bottom. You're going to weave it up. 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 We got this, right? Can you do this, River Glen? I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start this thing off. Um, I'm going to start one uh, right in the front row with you right here. Thank you very much. There's a marker there too. And then you right here. And then uh, Sandy and Charity, they're going to start some off too. And then throughout the message, I'm going to be checking on you guys. Accountability, it's key, okay? Hold you, call, <laughs> hold you accountable. All right, here's what this means. Some of you are going to have to get up. Uh, bring it across the row, cross an aisle, tap the guy next to you, wake him up, whatever, all right? You have permission to get, uh, get the job done at any cost, okay? Well, within boundaries. All right, here we go. Um, while those are going around, we're going to start getting into the story of a man who started, finished, led an entire project, something that God gave him to do, and his name is Nehemiah. Right. Nehemiah was around roughly around 445 BC, and uh, he is from the uh, nation of Israel, right? And during this time, the nation of Israel was actually in captivity. A little, little history lesson. Uh, because, uh, first, Israel is a nation, it's a kingdom, but because of continued rebellion, God allowed them to be captured Jerusalem, their, their capital, to be destroyed, and the Jews to be carried off into a foreign country. First, they're captured by Babylon, 
And then Babylon is conquered by Persia, and so they are all captives of Persia at this point. About 80 to 90 years before Nehemiah, um, the king of Persia allowed some Jews to go back to Jerusalem and start rebuilding the city, rebuilding the walls, right? And then later, Nehemiah comes, and uh, this is kind of where we pick up in his story. He is working for the king. He is a cupbearer, and that means that he gets to eat and drink uh, all the stuff that the king eats and drinks before he drinks it to make sure it's not poisoned. This is a really sweet job, right? Let me just make sure the king doesn't die. Um, it's kind of a crazy job. This is actually what Dave does for Ben during the week. Um, he tastes his coffee, samples his ramen, and uh, just make sure it's, you know, not messed with. It's a very important job on staff. So this is where we pick up with Nehemiah. One day he is uh, visited by some people who had come back from Jerusalem who had been working on the rebuilding process. And he asked them how it's going. And so this is, this is what we read. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the providence of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. All right? Not good news. Jerusalem is the center of activity, religious activity for the Jews. So this is horrible news. This is very, very bad news. And this is Nehemiah's reaction. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, prayed to the God of heaven. Right? You can get, a, you can get an idea. This was not just, oh, that's a bummer. This, this hurt. This is, this is causing him to grieve what was going on back there. This place that he loved and he cherished that was so important to him is falling apart, is decaying. Right? It's troubled Nehemiah so much. So now think back to the questions that we asked in the beginning. What needs to change in my life so I can tell a better story? For Nehemiah... It has to do with Jerusalem. It has to be restored. This, this place is so connected to the identity of the Jews that I can't just be left to rot and be forgotten. <clears throat> What's broken in the world that needs to be fixed? What breaks your heart? For Nehemiah, it's Jerusalem falling apart. It's breaking his heart. If you could do anything with your life and guarantee success, what would you do? I think it would, for Nehemiah, it would be build up Jerusalem, build the walls around Jerusalem. What's your dream? To be the one who gets it done. This is where having the faith to start starts. It's with what I call a burden. A burden is believing something must change. And this is weighty. It, it's heavy, right? It, it sticks with you. It bugs you. You can't avoid it. It's just there. God put on Nehemiah's heart a burden to go back to Jerusalem and build up the walls. Later in the story, Nehemiah actually says this himself. He says, I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. This burden, this load, this weighty thing that he's carrying around to change was directly from God. God gave him this burden. It was a divine burden. Has God given you a burden? Do you have a divine burden from God? Why is this so important? Because your burden is going to determine your direction. Your burden is going to determine your direction. If God has put something in your heart, on your mind, and it bugs you, and it makes you uncomfortable, and it breaks your heart, he has given you a direction that you ought to take in life. Burden determines direction. What bugs you? What needs to change? What are you tired of watching? What, what, are, you going to, uh, what are you going through, others going through, that uh, you need to change? You can't just sit here and let it happen. You know what bugs me? It, it bugs me that people don't know the good news about Jesus, that there's a God who loves them, that there's grace, that people don't understand who he is. I'm bugged by the fact that teens grow up in a world that beats them up. 
It bugs me that they're expected to be something they can never be. It bugs me that they have to live up to standards they can't live up to, and it's crushing them. It causes them to doubt if they're loved, if they have worth, if they have value. It bugs me to watch high schoolers and middle schoolers, teens, hate themselves. It bugs me. These are burdens that have developed in my life, my heart, and I can't just do nothing about it. They guide me. They guide my direction. What bugs you? What do you look at in the world that has to change, right? In your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, when you look at the world around you, do you sense you need to create something, create a solution uh, with a group of people? Do you need to fight a cause? Do you need to embrace a challenge outside your comfort zone? Set an example for someone. Take a hard step. What's your burden? What's your burden? All right, where are the journals at? Just make sure we're, we're doing all right with them. Okay, okay, we're doing, we're doing good back there. Okay, I'll take that silence as yes. All right, you guys can yell. You have permission to scream at me. Okay, second thing people uh, with the faith to start have is faith. They trust God. They trust God. First thing Nehemiah does is go to God with his burden. He says, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. First thing he does with his burden is go to God and he asks for help. He trusts he has a dream. He has this, this burden to go and build this, this wall. But it's not on him. It's on God to help him. He's already got a plan forming in his mind. But to do it, he needs God's help because he's the cupbearer. You don't get to just take vacation, take days off, call in sick. If you call in sick, it probably means you're dead as a cupbearer, okay? So he needs God to help him out. He needs a break so he can go do this. He goes to God. He asks for help. He says, grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. I need the king on board with this so I can go and I can do this, Lord. All throughout this series, what we've looked at is how faith, how trust, how belief affects our decisions. Believe God cares. Believe God is molding you into someone. Believe his word. Right? Trust that he is in control. Trust that he's involved in the process, that it's not up to you to figure it all out. Faith, trust, belief. <coughs> They affect all our decisions, especially the first one, especially the first one. Faith is essential to start working towards our burden, right? Faith is essential to start working towards where our burden is leading us. Why? Because the first step is so hard for us. It's so hard. We are really good at convincing us, you know, I should do this, but we're not the best at allowing ourselves to believe we can do it. All right? Part of trusting God is believing we can. We can. This is what makes following Jesus and Christianity so unique from all the other belief systems out there. All the other belief systems, all the other religions, it's all about what you should do. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. But that's not what following Jesus is about. All right? If there's anything you remember, remember this. Following Jesus is not about what you should do. Following Jesus is about what you can do what you can do. When you trust God, when you have faith in Jesus, he gives you the ability to do what he asks you to do. He doesn't leave you hanging. Yes, amen that, right? Like, he doesn't leave you hanging. He doesn't say, here, go do this. Good luck. He also doesn't say, go do this. I believe in you, right? Like, Jesus is not a self-help guru. He's God. And what he actually says is this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's pretty intense. And he's not being mean. He's just talking about reality. 
right? He's just talking about the reality. But here's the good news in all of this, right? He tells us to do things, and apart from him, we can do nothing. But with him, with him, we can. Here's how the Apostle Paul spells it out. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. When we have Jesus, right, we are in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Without Jesus, we can't. With Jesus, we can. This is good news. This is following Jesus. It's not about what we should do. It's about what we can do. He gives us the ability to do it. Everything Jesus asks of you, he also provides the way. He gives you the ability to do it. That burden, God doesn't give you a burden and say, figure it out. Good luck. He planned long ago for you to have a burden, and then he gives you Jesus so you can go and do it. We can do what Jesus asks. We still have our excuses though, right? So let's look at them and see how Jesus helps us uh, work through these excuses. We have a fear of failing, We have a fear of failing. Because of Jesus, we can fail, right? Christians should be the best failers on planet Earth, right? You're like, Christians should fail? No, Christians shouldn't fail. We can fail, okay? Someone who trusts Jesus can fail better than anyone else out there, anyone else out there, because your failure doesn't define you. Your failure doesn't determine your worth. Your failure doesn't determine how important you are, how significant you are. That all comes from Jesus. You are good to go. Because of Jesus, failure becomes a helpful thing, a teaching tool, a learning opportunity, something we can embrace, failure. When it doesn't define us or impact our self-worth, how we think about ourselves, how we view ourselves, it's not something to be feared. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's not always fun, but it's a step in the process that God is ultimately in control of. What would you do if fear of failure wasn't stopping you? Failure cannot take away what Jesus has already given you, your worth, your importance. We fear rejection. We fear rejection. Because of Jesus, uh, we can be rejected. We can face rejection. People, for whatever reason, when we try to do or start something that's good for us, we get a lot of pushback. People don't like it when we try new things with our life. We hope for encouragement and the people around us maybe discourage us, right? We expect support and we get rejection. If you've run into this in your life, you know, I'm sorry, it stinks and I totally understand. For a lot of us, the desire becomes pleasing the people around us, right? And it can outweigh the desire to fulfill that burden that's eating us inside. The fear of rejection, letting people down, not living up to someone's standards, and expectations, it can start to become the focus instead of the burden that God has given us. But here's the good news. When we trust God, he accepts us. God, our king, the creator, he is the only opinion that matters at the end of the day. His opinion matters. And he accepts us into his family. He calls us children. He loves us unconditionally and says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Right? The more we believe that, the more we can look at rejection that we get from other people and start to believe, what does it matter when I have God, when I have his unconditional acceptance? What is a flawed person? Why are they stopping me from doing what God has called me to do? For some of us, this is easy. For some of us, this is extremely hard. But because of Jesus, it is possible. You can face rejection because of Jesus. You can chase your dream. You can do that thing 
that you feel like you're called to do without fear of rejection because you are secure, you are loved, and you are accepted by God. What would you do if the fear of rejection wasn't holding you back? You're accepted and loved by God. Third, I don't know how. A lot of us just think, I don't even know. I don't know how, right? Because of Jesus, you don't have to have it all figured out. Part of this comes from uh, what we focused on last week and and a couple weeks before that. We trust that God is in control. We trust that God is in the process. He's in charge of the steps. But something God gives us that allows us to move forward is actually other people, right? (coughs) Nehemiah didn't build the wall on his own. He didn't go back and get it all done. In fact, he first needed the king. He first needed the king to help him out. And then he needs safe travel. So God provided people that helped him travel safely to Jerusalem and protect him on his journey. Nehemiah, he was never alone in the entire process. And when he gets back and he starts rebuilding this wall, there are people constantly helping him. Constantly. Right? Sometimes trusting God means trusting the people he has put in your life to help you. You can because others have already. Right? And when we trust God that is surrounding us with the right people, we can move forward with our hopes and our dreams and make them a reality. Your first step towards your burden might be surrounding yourself with the right people. If you want to start recovery, you need support. You need people around you. If you want to start a business plan, you probably need the know-how of someone who started a business. If you want to start a ministry, you might need to surround yourself with people who have started a ministry. If you have a burden on your heart, in your mind, you probably need to uh, surround yourself with people who have the same burden and acted on them. Trust God by trusting others. God created relationships. He made us so that we wouldn't be independent, but dependent on other people. It's part of how he has structured his church. None of us have all the gifts. None of us. You can start not because you have it all, but because you have others. Surround yourself. Trust that God is going to put the right people in your life so, he can, so you can do what he's asked you to do. Last, I don't have the ability. I can't do it. Because of Jesus, we are given uh, the ability to do great things, right? We are empowered to do good works uh, that God planned for us. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you put your faith in him. The moment you did, you received power from God to do incredible things. Each of us, because of our faith, has been given the power, been given the Holy Spirit who works in us, who gives us the ability. And when we rely on that and we lean on that, amazing things happen. Everyone who believes in Jesus has a unique ability. He has given it to us uniquely. What does that look like? If you don't know, we have a gifts assessment that's on our website. And this kind of just helps you understand how God has gifted you. You go to our website, riverglen.cc under next steps, and then you click on serving, and you'll find it, and you can take that, and that'll give you an idea of how God has empowered you to do the things he's given you to do, right? And that's important to know how you're gifted, because you might have a burden, but you're thinking, I don't even know where I fit in this. Well, if you understand how God has gifted you, it might be to lead people to get it done. It might be to organize other people to get it done. You might be right there getting it done yourself. When you understand how you're gifted, you understand your role and making your burden happen, right? What's your burden? Do you trust? Do you have an I can attitude or an I should attitude? Because of Jesus, you can. You can. All right, how are we doing with the journals? Are we doing good? We've got to keep them moving, all right? I believe in you. All right, lastly, the person with faith to start accepts responsibility. We accept 
responsibility. I must be faithful. There are a lot of ways that we measure success in our life. Uh, when we have dreams or we have goals, we're usually focused on the outcome, right? We tend to focus on the results. But when it comes to God, he kind of paints a different picture. He is all about faithfulness, right? <clears throat> when Jesus teaches about responsibility, he, he tells this story. He gives an example of several servants who took what their master had given them and they got to work. To two of them, uh, they take what they're given and they work and they produce something. And the, other, the third person, they take what they've been given, they're scared, they're lazy, they do nothing. And here's what happens. Here's what Jesus describes. The two men who embraced their responsibility and went to work, this is what God will say to those type of people. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. He's not focused on the outcome. He's focused on the faithfulness. He doesn't say, well done, my good and productive servant. Well done, my good and uh, better servant. My straight-A servant, right? My popular servant, whatever it is. He says, well done, my good and faithful service servant. This is what it is. Don't miss this. God gives you a couple things. He gives you a burden, right? The what, the thing that, that drives you in your direction. He gives you the ability. He gifts you. He's created you to do unique things. Because of Jesus, you can do those unique things. So what's left? He's given you these things. Now what's left is for you to take them and to be responsible, to be faithful with what God has given you in your life. That's what he's asking of you. The wall around Jerusalem, it was rebuilt. Why? Because God gave Nehemiah a burden. He gave him the ability, and Nehemiah ran with it, and he got it done. He was faithful. What is your burden? Right? Will you trust God? Will you believe you can? That you can do what he's called you to do? Will you believe it? Will you embrace the responsibility to go and get it done? All right? All right. Where are the journals at now? Okay, sadly, I have to collect them. All right? So if you didn't get a chance to write in a journal, we're going to leave them up here. You can come write in them um, uh, at the end of service. I think it's really important to get it out, to put it on paper. It makes it real. It's not just in your head. It's out there, all right? And, and also, as a church, I want to take these journals. I want to pray for them. I want to pray for you and uh, this burden that God's put on your heart. So if you could, whoever has a journal, if you would just bring it up here, lay it on the front, I would really appreciate that because um, I need them right now. Um, and here's what we're going to do. I believe that you can do this, all right? So hand it to someone who's a little less afraid of coming up here. Let me ask you, what would it look like, um, whatever you wrote, whatever as a church we wrote in these things, what would it look like if we all started? Right? What would it look like? Um, you might not think about this much, but we're all here because people before us started. Someone started this church. Someone started a lot of the ministries in this church. There are ministries in this church that are serving you, impacting you, and people started them. Right? There are people in this church who have started businesses that are helping others outside this church. There are people in this church who are chasing down their dreams and their goals because it's where they feel God is calling them in life. There are a lot of people in River Glen who have already started. And we have a short little video just kind of showing you who some of these people are. Check it out. I was fearful and overwhelmed to start the Celebrate Recovery Ministry. Like, who was I to start such an impactful ministry? 
But then in the end, I just had the faith to start it. I was really nervous about going to school 552 miles away from home, but I trusted God. At first, I was nervous to make the move to Pittsburgh, but I had the faith to start. When I decided to quit smoking, I was afraid. But I trusted in God, and I prayed, and God came through for me. I was struggling with some things in my marriage, and I was nervous to go see a counselor. But I trusted God, and He gave me the faith to start, and it's been one of the best decisions I've made in my life. I was really nervous to start a small group here at River Glen, but I had the faith to start, and God has totally blessed the group. The decisions you make, yeah, let's clap for them, you know, because starting is hard. And those are awesome, those are awesome examples of just things that God put in people's hearts and they acted on them. What would it look like if we did that, right? The, de- the decisions you make today determines the story you tell tomorrow. What story do you want to tell someday, right? What if you started? What would it look like? Right? What, would it, what would it look like if you started recovery? What would it look like if you were bold in leading your family? What would it look like if you trusted God and you shared his story with others? What would it look like if you were more involved in ministry, if you led people? What would it look like if you led a fun ladies group? (laughs) I like that. What would it look like to grow more spiritually, right? to take your health seriously, right? What would it look like if you mentored someone? What would it look like if you got involved with wittier kids and families? What would it look like if you blessed a waitress financially? What if you helped people meet Jesus? What if you quit your job to help others, right? What if you went on a mission trip? What if you started that business? What if you prayed to God for his will? What if you tried to stop the oppression of women and children? These are awesome. These are what God has given you. None of them are better than the other. It's what God has given you. But in these journals, they're just ideas. They're not real yet, right? They're nothing if we don't trust. They're nothing if we don't believe we can. They're nothing if we don't take responsibility, if we don't start, right? What is your burden? What is God calling you to do? Will you trust him? Will you believe you can? Will you take responsibility? Will you start? If you start, here's what I guarantee. Someday, you will tell a different story than the story you're telling today. I guarantee it if you start. As we wrap up, I want to talk about a decision that many, many need to start with. And it's the decision to start over. Start over. Because of Jesus, we get, a, we get a do-over. We get a start-over. When Jesus came to earth, he had this mission. He had a burden, right? And it was to right wrongs. It was to heal wounds. It was to bring back people into a relationship with God, grow them close to him, right? Create us into something new. And he accomplished this mission when he went to the cross. He lived this faithful life, this perfect life of obedience. And then he went to the cross and he died this sacrificial death, to forgive us of our wrongs, of our sin in our life. And then he rose from the grave to offer us hope, to offer us life, all of us, no matter who you are. Starting over isn't always fun. It's not easy, 
right? It's not, it's not the most uh, enjoyable thing, but let me tell you, if you are at the point in life when you need to start over, it is necessary and it is possible. It is possible. Whether you're a believer who has fallen or you found yourself in a rut, in a season, wandering, lost, or you are someone who's just trying to figure out what to do with Jesus, here's what you need to know. There is love, there is mercy, there is compassion, there is forgiveness, there is grace, there is hope, and there is life if you trust Jesus. Sometimes we need to start over, and turning to Jesus is where it happens. Starting over, whether it's the first time or it's like the millionth time, right? Jesus is where we go, and he will take your story, and he will start writing a new one that you get to tell someday, right? Jesus is incredible, and in a moment, we're going to celebrate how incredible he is with communion. When we take communion, uh, it is open to anyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus, and we pass the trays, and they have a double cup in it, and there's a piece of bread, and that represents Jesus' body, and then there's some juice, and that represents his blood that was poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And what we do is we take that communion, we take it in, remembering how he gave us life so that we could all experience life ourselves. So let me pray and then we'll pass communion. Father, thank you so much just uh, for who you are, um, giving us this life, giving us Jesus, an opportunity to start over and start something new. Right now I pray for everything that we have written down. I pray for all our burdens, whether they're in these journals or they're in our minds and haven't made it into these journals yet, I pray for everything that we have written down, that you give us the courage to start, you give us the faith to start, you put the people in our lives so we can start, you just help us. We trust you, we love you, help us make these things a reality for your glory. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen.